Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week I'll be talking with Leon County Schools Superintendent Rocky Hanna. He's found a situation cropping up in his school district with changes in the state school choice law. I'm going to let him describe to you exactly what the situation was, but it has led him to an aggressive address verification effort for schools and students to make sure that kids aren't lying to get into the wrong schools. Well, Rocky Hanna, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us here at the Gradebook Podcast. Jeff, thank you for for having me and for calling up here to Tallahassee. Um, And also thank you for your work and what you do in support of our public schools throughout the state. Well, thank you. I, I really was interested in hearing what you guys are doing with regard to checking student addresses. This is something we hear about a lot. Some school districts talk about doing it, but you actually are doing it. Why? Well, we've noticed a trend uh, since the new school choice legislation came in where we had a number of our schools saw declining enrollment while other schools were at or over capacity. And with our school choice policy, we had a committee that would evaluate all of our school choice applicants. Uh, They would be denied for various reasons. And then there was an appeal process directly to the office of the superintendent and 100% of those appeals were granted. And what was happening was we, we were seeing in in many cases, white flight from some of our, from some, some of our schools, which was very concerning to me. And we had a practice of that we would overcrowd a school. We would bring in portables and then we'd build a new wing and then we'd bring, then we'd send more students to those schools, bring in more portables and then build another wing while we had uh, existing capacity at some of the schools and neighborhoods where these kids were leaving. So in order to correct that, we've taken a hard stand both on school choice and on verifying addresses in the neighborhoods and the school zones that these, uh, these students are living in. Um, and what that's done for us, it's, it's refilling those schools and filling those seats at the schools where uh, capacity uh, had grown um, because of what was going on with school choice. And now what's happened since I've held a firm line on saying no, and if schools are at capacity, there are no choice options, uh, parents are now uh, trying to get creative and then fabricate stories that they're living with an aunt, they're living with an uncle, they're renting a room from uh, a family friend, and, and we have taken the stand to go out and do address verifications. We also, if we have uh, a family that's claiming they're renting a room from someone, we'll contact the property appraiser's office to let the property appraiser know what's going on, and if you are renting a room from your home, you can no longer claim homestead exemption. So it's amazing how some of those stories change when they get a call from the property appraiser's office letting them know that if you're yearning your home, using your home as a rental, then you cannot get the homestead exemption. So I have a question about that. When you are doing that, are you doing it for every student in the entire district? Because I've heard some people in other districts say that that is time and labor intensive and costly and can't be done. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how large these other districts are. We have, you know, of course, the, you, you, you live in an area with a much larger school district. We have about 34,000 students 
But, uh, yes, if we come across uh, folks that are claiming they're renting a room from someone, and we know we, you know, we have uh, 40, give or take, brick-and-mortar schools. Of those, we probably have 12 that are the ones that people are trying to come up with all these crazy stories to gain entry. And at those, so those 12, the registrars at those 12 will then call the property appraiser if it's a case where families are claiming they're renting a room or leasing a room from someone in that school zone. How are you finding that there are fake stories or fake documents? Is it just a hand and eye thing or you get stories yeah. turned in? Yeah. And it's, you know, and, uh, our registrars have gone through extensive training uh, we've increased the pay for our registrars, especially at the, the at, well, at all levels, because it's a big responsibility that's falling on them. Uh, but we want to verify. I promise a level playing field for for everyone as far as access to our schools, whether they're they're coming from a private school or from homeschool, or whether they've been committed to our public school system. That everyone will have equal access and equal opportunities. And I just I don't have a stomach for parents and families trying to circumvent. Uh, school boundaries and school zones by lying to gain access. Um, so then our registrars are taking this job very seriously. Does that affect at all your need to do any rezoning or were you doing any rezoning and did that sort of affect parents and their attitudes about this? Um, no, it's not really the zone. The zoning is not the issue. It was school, school choice was the biggest issue, honestly, Jeff. I mean, and we had, like I said, that committee that would meet uh, and if schools were at or over capacity, the committee would deny application for school choice. Uh, the appeal would go to the office of the superintendent, and past practice was to grant all the appeals, and we were just making a bad situation worse. We were overcrowding many of our north side schools and, and emptying our south side schools. Um, so once I changed that practice of not granting these appeals, that's when that's when the uh, – you know, the story started coming about living with different relatives. That, oh, by the way, I just, you know, my school choice application was denied, and the next week I'm renting a room in, this, in that same school zone from, from a family friend. I imagine that people must be very angry because they don't get any more to do what they want with their schooling for their kids. How do you, how do you hear from people? Are they telling you that they're unhappy? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be on a number of uh, Christmas card lists. I'm sure this year, but you know, I promised it, like I said, a level playing field, an equal playing field for everyone. And there's a correct process to go about school choice. Uh, but if our schools are at capacity, we're, we're doing the wrong thing by overcrowding them. Um, so yeah, I have some realtors that were not happy with me. You know, my brother-in-law is a realtor and, you know, they're, they're not happy because like I said, the past practice is just Katie bar the door and people got whatever they want. And now that I'm saying no and no means no. But as a result of that, I'll use Godby and Rickards high schools as examples. Their enrollment had dwindled down to around a thousand. And now, uh, Godby's up around 1400 students and Rickards is at 1500. They're at a 15 year high from where they were uh, before. And we've leveled out, leveled out the, the numbers and the seats at our uh, overcrowded high schools. So, you know, in, in the in DOE looks at those numbers and we talk about uh, building new schools and adding student stations, you know, unless you're a charter school and that rule doesn't apply. But um, it's incumbent upon us to fill, to fill seats that have been already funded by with taxpayer dollars. And, 
before you build a new school or add new seats, you need to fill the seats that you do have. And that's, and that's been the goal here. And I see we, I think we see that happening. And we had an article published in our paper up here in the Tallahassee Democrat about the resegregations of our schools. And a lot of this uh, school choice uh, movement led to, led to unfortunately some white flight and, um, and, and that was, you know, trying to correct, correct some of that as well. Do you have to change the school offerings at some of those schools that people had been fleeing in order to make them be more attractive to the families so that they stay? Yes. And yeah, we've, you know, and it's, it's about all about competition now, um, with, you know, with, with choice. And we've, you know, we've consulted with the marketing firm now. We're, we're uh, addressing every single school to find out, you know, what the needs are in that community and, and how we can boost up those schools. And, and all, I mean, all of our schools are good, you know, and, and unfortunately we label, we label schools with these grades and it's, it's just, uh, the end all be all of, of people and buying into, you know, buying houses and everything else. If you have a, a school that has lots of diversity, but has some students who are uh, academically challenged, who come from families that have not been maybe as supportive as other families. And it's a, a, a C school, a C school. Well, I don't want to send my kids to a C school, but that C school is amazing. It has every single program. Uh, that our A schools have. I mean, all of our schools are good. It's just with a school grading, it's created this huge perception that a school that's a B, even a B is not acceptable to some parents. What about the students who got in on choice and then the school became too crowded? Do you have to send them away and say, I know you were here, but now you have to leave? No, once they've gained entry, once they're in, they're in. And the only time they have to shift again is if they jump to uh, a new level, like a fifth grader going to sixth grade, a uh, uh, eighth grader going to ninth grade. But once you make application, you've gained entry into a school, you're, you're guaranteed to be in that school through the duration of your time. Okay, so demonstrated following the rules pays off then as opposed to lying and filling out some fake form. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, so we would have... Let's use a, a, maybe a high school that we identified uh, 30 seats available for school choice, and we may have had 300 applicants. And we created a lottery system uh, and put all 300 students into the lottery and drew 30 of the students out, and those 30 gained access to those 30 seats. Uh, and then the other 270, uh, if they had a second choice for school choice and there were available seats, then they would get their second choice. And if they were not selected at all in the lottery, then they return to uh, their home zone school. You know, the, the the guaranteed way to get access to a school is to like it was back in back in the day. You know, when when I was growing up, is to you buy a home in the school district that you desire. And um, but but because of the prior practice, and now I'm enforcing the law and the letter of the law and the rules, and not granting appeals where people before have been. Uh, had exceptions made for them in certain neighborhoods uh, and kids coming from private school. We had a private school choice that kids automatically gained access to any school they wanted to if they were coming from a private school. And, and that just wasn't a fair practice. It wasn't fair to the kids and the families that have been loyal to our traditional public schools the entire time. What about the kids who live in the poorer neighborhoods, the schools that were less appealing, and they were trying to go into those other schools, and they can't afford to live in those neighborhoods? Is there anything to make accommodations for them? 
Yeah, so everyone has, like I said, everyone has equal access, where before preferential treatment had been given to kids coming out of private schools, and, you know, if they're in a private school, the chances are they're more more wealthy than kids that are can't afford private school tuition. So what was happening is the private school kids were walking, you know, getting first entry into to these available seats at some of these schools while these other kids – uh, were being left behind, and that was just unfair. And so I've changed that practice, which has now led to, you know, the people making up stories and lying about where where they live. Because I, you know, I promised, like I said, an equal opportunity, no matter if you were a kid living in uh, a poor neighborhood that was wanting to go to a different school, you had the same uh, chance of being accepted as someone coming from a from a private school. So if you're looking at other districts now that may be contemplating doing what you're doing, do you have any advice for them so that they can perhaps move forward with this idea? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. the first piece of advice, you have to put politics aside and you have to do what I, you do what's right. Now, I may be, end up being a one-term superintendent, which is fine because it's, I'm going to sleep well at night. But I have members of my own family, Jeff. I'm uh, a lifelong resident of Tallahassee. I'm a product of our public schools. Um, I'm a third generation of Lee, graduate of Leon High School, and I have family members now that uh, said I'm not I'm not welcome at Easter anymore because I've had to tell them no. And uh, yeah, it, it's it, you know it's 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 not easy at times, but it's still it, it's the right thing to do. And if I make an exception for a family member, then I need to make an exception for everyone else. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time from your busy day to talk with me. On thank you. Well, thank you, Jeff. And I think, like I said, you know, it's disappointing that we've seen some of the resegregation, uh, some of our schools with white flight as a, as a maybe a unintended consequence of school choice. And this is just a way to try to, to correct that. I think one of the things that I appreciated the most while I was principal at Leon High School was the diversity at the school and how the school represented our community. And unfortunately, uh, now at some of our schools, the demographics do not represent our community. We're just trying to trying to uh, to write what uh, what's occurred over the last decade or so. That's the end of our interview and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate in this conversation, visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To follow the latest in Florida education news, go to our blog, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. Please continue to review and share this podcast. We'd like to reach as many listeners as possible. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.